down with these hoes. Wait no time. Let me dance, for tuning in to this episode of the Being Technical Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Aaron, where I'm just being technical and not practical. I appreciate y'all once again uh, for tuning back in, how every streaming podcast. Again, this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can also stream me straight from the Anchor app. I am also available on YouTube. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel to keep up with all my latest content and previous episodes if you uh, have the time to do so. Wow, don't we have a lot to cover uh, in this episode. Obviously, dating back uh, to my previous episode, I had my good uh, brother co-host with me. Big shout out to KV, Levon Kotal, Seven Winners. Appreciate, y'all, appreciate him for tuning in uh, and hosting my last previous episode where we covered the uh, issues that are going on in America. Uh, for those you know, my boy KV is an artist. If y'all got a chance to listen to his new track, Closer to Me, y'all can check it out also on his page. Uh, he is also the man behind the intro to my podcast. A big shout out to my brother KV. I see you, boy. Anyways, we do have a lot to cover here on this episode. Obviously, in a previous episode, uh, we tackled uh, the issues of the uh, George Floyd murder in the hands of police uh, back in our hometown of Minneapolis. And... Fast forward to, to, to now, obviously, we have another situation where another arm, arm, unarmed black man was murdered in the hands of the police. This time, also in my second home in Atlanta, where police officers shot and killed a Richard Brooks at a drive through in Wendy's, leading to protests. And quite frankly, this has been the main issue going on in the past, through the beginning of the United States history. We were um, preaching for better police training, for police to stop murdering innocent black men. But here we are again, police murdering a unarmed black man, even in the public eye where They've been under scrutiny where so many police have murdered and killed black men. And what do they do? They go in and kill another black man in cold blood, shooting him in the back on video. Basically, all these protests that have been going on, bringing light to this issue where the country's been protesting. And here we are again, another unarmed black man killed. Just think about it. There have been protests going on nationwide in the last month or so, let's just say last few weeks, and then what do they do? They kill another black man. When is this going to stop? And if you really look at the numbers, since the George Floyd murder, since the protests have been happening across the country, still, uh, police have killed 120 people since the protests of the George Floyd began. 120 people. Basically, they are killing people for the same reason the protests are happening. And to come to find out, they still have not arrested the cops and the police that murdered Breonna Taylor. Coming to find out in recent news, 
that the charges that they might not even try the Louisville police try those um charge those police officers that murdered Breonna Taylor. Like really? You've already we've already been seeing witnessing all these police murders and what did they do? They go and kill more people and they still haven't charged the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. Just think about it. Breonna Taylor, they Louisville police killed Breonna Taylor three months ago and still have not charged those police officers. Her family is seeking justice. Their attention has been brought to light and at the same time, for some reason, police officers somehow are above the law. No, those police officers need to be charged and put away in prison for the rest of their lives for killing an innocent woman in her house. That's, that's what's wrong with our police reforms. And then, to make matters worse, the other day, the Atlanta police decided to call off and walked away from the job. Instead of them taking fault for killing Rashard Brooks, they want to they wanted be all... Uh, hit throw a hissy fit and call off work. So in order for them to get back to work, the Atlant the city of Atlanta and Keisha Bottoms had to pay them and pay police an extra five hundred dollars just so they can show up to work. The same police, to, the same police that are sworn to protect and serve their citizens, they wanted to call off and had to be. Basically bribed an additional $500 just to show up to work. See, that is what's wrong with this society and this country, with their police. They seem to get away with everything. They get away with things. And then what do they do? They want to be paid an extra bonus just for doing their jobs. Don't we all wish to get a bonus from work? If uh, Oh, let me not go to work. You think my, my job would give me an extra $500 just because I didn't feel like coming into work? Oh, you know what, Aaron? You don't want to come into work? Hey, if you want to come back to work, hey, we'll give you an extra additional $500 on top of your salary just so you can come back to work. See, that doesn't happen for the rest of citizens in this country. For the rest of people, that just because they don't want to go to work, they get to get paid a bonus to show, to show up. That is what's, what's the problem with this country. They need to fix the police department, and they need to better pass a police reform. This needs to be taken care of because people should not be afraid of the police. Mainly us black folks should not be afraid of the police. They should be doing their job and serving us and protecting us. Instead, not having to have them call off and not want to go to work and have to be bribed just to go to work. No, that is not how every other position, any other career does. That's not how it works. You don't get paid extra just to show up to work. Do your job what you were paid to do, what you swore to do. Do your damn job. I'm honestly tired of talking about this topic. I hope people keep protesting the streets until these things until we see change, until we see things get better for the citizens, we will not stop until things have been changed. That's my thought on this, on that, that's for sure. Obviously, with all the social injustices and, you know, 
think you know the the Black Lives Matter matters movement starting to see more public attention. People are finally the country's finally not even just the country, but worldwide, people are starting to finally open their eyes. You're finally starting to see these corporations and these industries finally shedding light. You know, posting about Black Lives Matters, or they care about Black Lives and this and that, but. Here's my thing on it. Obviously, it's what's what's the trending topic right now, but are these corporations only doing that for their own self-interest just to make themselves look good in the public eyes or do they actually mean it and if and if they want to show how they mean it instead of just sure donating to the causes are wonderful, good great, it's a step in the right direction. How about you show it by hiring more black black people in positions other than uh you know leader president of the diversity and inclusion department how about you start hiring black people in positions of power within your company hire more black people to actually show that you care that will show a show society that you care about black lives by offering opportunity and career advancement instead of just tweeting out in solidarity all oh, to Black Lives Matter and putting a picture behind your Twitter account with a Black Lives um, icon profile picture. How about you show us, show society that you care by hiring more people of color, mainly black people, to in positions. Then that's when we'll know if you truly mean it. If we start seeing more black people in positions in your companies. Obviously, moving on, we do see uh, the sports leagues are starting to uh, get more involved in the Black Lives Matter movement and social injustices. Obviously, the NFL has, one, decided to donate $250 million to uh, social justices causes and, you know, charities. Also, my team, Minnesota Vikings, donated $5 million. Ziggy Wilf uh, came $5 million out of his pocket and donated to social reform, social justice charities. So, sure, you put your money where your mouth is, but not only just putting your money where it's at, also showing that you care for the cause and the movement by showing action, because action speaks louder than words and more than just a stroke of a pen. Let's start to see that you actually care by, you know, helping out in communities and that sort. Instead of just, hey, we're going to donate this money and just say, hey, you know, we we care about black lives. We care about social justice. We're just going to throw a bunch of money. Yeah, that's great. But like I said, show us the true intentions. How about NFL? If you truly care about black lives, hey, let's 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 hire more black coaches. Let's hire more black GMs. Hey, this there's a great GM candidate in my mind that thinks that deserves a GM role, general manager role for an NFL club. His name's Lewis Riddick. He's on ESPN. If you guys don't know him, he's a great candidate, a great general manager candidate. How about you? How about we start by giving him an? Uh, how about we see an NFL team hire Lewis Riddick for their general manager position? Let's start with that. If you truly care, let's see some more black coaches because when you think about it, the NFL as a predominantly black league 80% of their players are black so when you got a league where 80% of your league is black wouldn't they want to be coached by someone of their same color to head coaching jobs 
general manager roles, president roles, you know, president of operation roles. Let's start seeing those players have someone that represents them in the organization. In the organization, if you truly want to see, if you truly are by what you say, instead of just saying, "Oh, we're going to donate," hey, let's hire some more black coaches and black general managers, and then we'll start to believe you. But until then, you can say you donated, you can tweet all you like. We won't, we will not believe it, especially from the NFL, which I will dive deeper more into the NFL. Until you start hiring more black coaches and black general managers, I mean, until you actually say you care about black lives, hire more general managers, hire more black coaches, not because of, I know the NFL has a uh, Rooney rule. Where every anytime a team has a head coaching vacancy, they have to at least interview one African American coach, which I, which is a great start, but at the same time it can come off as a in spite, just because hey we're just saying we're going to interview a black coach, but we really truly don't want to actually hire one, which we had started to see. So what the NFL tried to do is incentivize hiring a black coach by throwing a team an extra third round pick just for hiring a black coach. How about you actually hire the black coach because you want to, not because you want to be incentivized. That's my take on that. Speaking of the NFL, that was also the same league that shunned Colin Kaepernick, basically blackballed him out of the league four years ago because he was kneeling during the national anthem. If you guys remember that, I'm sure everybody remembers that. They blackballed him. They insulted him for, A, because he was kneeling during the national anthem. And you know what he was kneeling for? He was kneeling for the uh, black unarmed men being killed by police. That's why he took the knee to begin with. And he was basically blackballed and was saying he was a distraction to the league. Oh, he was disrespecting the flag. And basically... They threw such a big huff and puff about it, which ironically is the same issue we're dealing with today. He was blackballed. He was basically exiled at the NFL because all the NFL didn't want to hurt their bottom line. And he was even shunned by by President Trump, who called Colin Kaepernick a son of a bitch, and he should be fired for taking a knee during the national anthem, and he used that as a way to throw shade at Colin Kaepernick for, um, oh, he was disrespecting the flag and this and that, and so the NFL got so scared and didn't want to hurt their bottom line, so once again, they put money over morality. They basically stayed away from... Colin Kaepernick, because he was a distraction, and basically kept him out the league for four years, and then four years later, when this is starting to get more attention and more light, and, oh, police are actually killing unarmed black men at such a high rate, they want to bring, want Colin Kaepernick to get a chance. So here's my question. Are they trying to use Colin Kaepernick and trying to bring Colin Kaepernick back into the NFL because, oh, it's the right thing to do? Or are they just trying to take advantage of a situation that they see that is currently happening? And, oh, let's let's bring Colin Kaepernick back because, hey, let's make ourselves look good again, even though four years ago we kicked him out when, at the time, Colin Kaepernick was at least a top 32 quarterback. If not, he was a premium backup 
for a football club. He's better than a lot of backups was at the time. This is the same Colin Kaepernick that led the 49ers to a Super Bowl, lost on a controversial no call. So this is a guy that almost led his team to a Super Bowl victory, went to three straight, I believe, two or three straight NFC Championship games, and then all of a sudden, oh, he's not good anymore? So they kicked him out the league, or was it because he, you guys are being shunned? So what the NFL now is starting to bring back, and you got Roger Goodell coming out with memo saying, hey, Colin Kaepernick deserves another chance. You're starting to hear more rumbles. Uh, even the head coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Anthony Lynn, who was also an African-American coach, one of a few in the NFL, even said that the Colin Kaepernick deserves a workout. So this is my something you should ponder. Is this another publicity stunt except to give Colin Kaepernick a chance to the NFL because the NFL wants to right its wrong? Or... Do they truly want to give him a chance? Or are they saying they want to give him a chance just so they can look look good again? But the NFL, one thing about the NFL is they do not mind being the villain. They will play. They have no problem playing the villain role. They have no shame in it. They are the league that is okay with that because they know no matter what, people will still watch them. But will an NFL team out there give a uh, Colin Kaepernick a chance? That's that's going to be the question leading up to uh, leading up through the summer. Will Colin Kaepernick get a workout? You've had Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll saying he regrets not signing him. Well, if you regret not signing him, then why didn't you just sign him? Oh, because you didn't want the negative publicity. That's what it was. And that's not that's 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 the sen- now you're saying you regret it four years later. So I do would love to see Colin Kaepernick get another chance because I do think Colin Kaepernick is a top at least fifty quarterback. If he's not a starting quarterback, he just definitely deserves to be a at least a backup quarterback in this league. I hope he still, you know, still has it in him to play. He is a very talented player. You even, um, I know it's been four years since he played, but I mean, he looks like he's in athletic shape. And I mean, you don't forget how to throw a football since you've been throwing a football all your life. I don't think think he might need to, you know, dust off some some uh, some rust. But I still think. He's a viable option in the NFL. And to make things, the, the most, the irony of this whole situation, the whole irony of this situation is now Donald Trump has went on record and said he thinks Colin Kaepernick deserves a second chance. Four years later, Donald Trump, now he deserves a second chance. Four or three years ago, he was a son of a bitch. He should be fired once again. But now he deserves a chance. Hmm, what made you change your praise, Trump? That's the real question. Is he changing his praise because he means it? Or it's because it's election year and he's looking for votes in November, so he's trying to use Colin Kaepernick as a political stunt to finally get some, try to get some votes, get some black votes and some minority votes. That's another thing to keep in mind. So there's always a reason why Donald Trump does something, and I'm, I'm kind of skeptical on why he, he says Colin Kaepernick deserves a second chance. Because once again, Colin Kaepernick was the pioneer behind the kneeling during the national anthem, uh, uh, as the national anthem played before every game. And and it's crazy because they the the whole kneeling of the national anthem was a so-called distraction, disrespect, 
to the flag in the military, but it was actually a military serviceman who actually told Colin Kaepernick to take a knee to so he doesn't show he's disrespecting flags. So he said kneeling would be the best way to exercise your freedom of speech by kneeling to bring more awareness to your cause. And he was shunned by that. So saying so people were saying he was disrespecting our servicemen and our military, but in theory it was actually a former military serviceman who actually gave Colin Kaepernick that told him to do that. And now as we go into the season, if there's an NFL season, which I'll get to in a little later on, more players and more teams are saying they're going to take a knee during the national anthem. So you got players like Adrian Peterson who's come out and said he will absolutely take a knee this, this season. You got Kyler Murray, quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, saying he'll take a knee. You even have Baker Mayfield. And even J.J. Watt got into a back and forth with, uh, with a... F- Troll on Twitter saying, "Oh, JoJo Wild would never," and he he tweeted back at that in, at that troll, which I call him because he's probably a troll with no like forty followers. He said, "You don't speak for me," and he would absolutely be taking a knee if I I'm paraphrasing it correctly. But so that could be another key thing if you start to see more white players taking a knee. How much? How? Was this going to affect the NFL and the whole ratings? Because now you can see more players. Even Texans head coach Bill O'Brien said he he will have his whole team take a knee, and he will take a knee also. So we'll see how the kneeling during the national anthem will uh, shed light, or how it would play out this off season. How many how many teams will you be seeing taking a knee? How many coaches will be taking a knee? Uh, how will it be an issue again this coming season? Will it be as big of a deal as it was in 20, 2016 or 2017 when Colin Kaepernick did it? And what if Colin Kaepernick is back in the le- league? Will he also be taking a knee on the sidelines during the national anthem? That's another thing we'll keep in mind as we go. But here's the thing I I um I, I um think of when they say disrespect the flag. Because here's my how they say all oh, taking a knee is disrespectful to the country and to the the flag and to our military servicemen. But NASCAR recently was in the news. They said that they will ban the Confederate flag, waving of the Confederate flag at their uh, racing events. And that gave some backlash because even a NASCAR driver by the name of Ray Sicilli or Sicily or Siciloni, whatever his name is, even said he was so offended by NASCAR banning the Confederate flag that he's going to go on and retire. He was so upset that NASCAR banned the Confederate flag because he was offended that that was that, that just sparked a nerve in him that he made him want to retire. First of all, Ray Sicily never won a NASCAR race, never placed. He was like, he raced 32 times and didn't win a race. So good riddance. Nobody noticed you anyways because you never won. I can understand if you were a winner, maybe, maybe the league will care. That's like if, you know, Pat Mahomes retired because, oh, he doesn't want to, people were so offended with the players kneeling. That's like, okay, but you're a nobody. Nobody even knew who you were anyways before you even came up with this. Oh, I'm retiring because of the Confederate flag. 
But so the Confederate flag was a flag that represented hate. It represented slavery and oppression. That's the same flag that the they're ba- the Confederates, basically the South, were the enemies of the Union in the Civil War. They wanted to fight for slavery and oppression. They felt like slaves were their property, so they were willing to fight for slavery. They lost, and some. This was back in the 1800s, actually, and people still want to wave that flag, the same flag that represents oppression. And also, the Confederates are all also an enemy of the of America. So people are so Southerners. You are waving a Confederate flag. They are essentially the enemy of the United States of America. You are waving an enemy flag, and that's not disrespectful to the United States, waving an uh, enemy flag. Does Germany get upset because you uh, because uh, they can no longer uh, wave the Nazi flag? Do you see Germany throwing a fit because uh, they can't wave the Nazi flag? Oh, because they got rid of the Nazi flag because they symbolize oppression. They killed millions and millions and millions of people led by a fascist Adolf Hitler. For those that don't know your history, you don't see uh, Russia all upset because they can't no longer wave their Soviet flag. Do you see the Soviet Union, the USSR? Do you see them throwing a hissy fit because people aren't throwing, uh, they aren't waving the Nazi flag, uh, the Soviet Union flag? I don't think so. But for some reason, Southerners feel, oh, you're wiping away our heritage. Confederate was like a flag for like six years. They were like a country for six years. They lost to the U.S., to the Union, who is now the United States. So if you really think about disrespecting the flag, waving that Confederate flag is disrespectful to, the, to, the, to America, to the red, white, and blue, the star-spangled banner that is the U.S., the United States of America flag. That is disrespectful. So how come that race NASCAR driver doesn't get offended because of that? The, he, he can't wave up. That's, that, that's an enemy flag. You don't get to wave an enemy flag anymore. So if America wants to get rid of that flag, they have every right to do so because they lost their no longer country. You cannot wave an enemy flag. If that's if you really want to talk about disrespecting a flag, NASCAR was letting their folks wave that Confederate flag. That was being disrespectful to the U.S. to the to the American flag. Anyways, enough of NASCAR. That's probably the only time. First and only time I'll ever talk about NASCAR. No offense, NASCAR fans. Oh, by the way, they did let uh, Alvin Kamara, they did give him a free pass to go to the NASCAR uh, racing event they had. Alvin Kamara seems to be a big fan of NASCAR. So big shout out to NASCAR for that, for showing Alvin Kamara some love there. Finally, uh, you know, they do have black fans in NASCAR. And just to show that they show their appreciation to one of their biggest fans, big shout out to NASCAR for that. Anyway, switching topics here. Uh, another league that's trying to make a return is the NBA. They have set a date for, I think, July 31st to come back and try to resume the playoffs in Disney World in Orlando on July 31st. But it doesn't. not everybody's along for that ride and wants to actually contribute in that so-called glorified AAU tournament that they're trying to do in uh, Orlando. It has come with some backlash. You have a lot of teams and players saying they they do not want to play in this tournament because it distracts from the main issues, 
one of the main players, Kyrie Irving, has come out and said he doesn't want to play in the um, in the basketball tournament because he feels like it's a distraction for the social issues that are going on today. That it's going to be taking the attention away, and they will, that NBA will there will be a distraction and essentially distract the main cause. Stephen Jackson has also come out and said that the NBA shouldn't return because of what's going on right now and all the social issues that arise, and that would also be a distraction. I was one of the first that said back a few episodes again the NBA shouldn't resume their season. They should chalk it up, take the L, and just start fresh next year, especially now with what's, what's, what's going on in the whole landscape with the social you know, social issues as well as the rise in coronavirus. Obviously, coronavirus is a topic again. Even Dwight Howard has come out and said he doesn't feel comfortable playing. And you're starting to see a lot of players kind of are kind of wishy-washy on if they really should want to come back and play. Will it have the same meaning? Will it, you know, even if a champion was won, will it still feel like a champion won? Obviously, the league wants to play this uh, tournament, obviously, because they want to you know, recoup whatever money, revenue they lost, try to make up as much money as they can. Also, LeBron James, who's also toward the end of his career on, seven, you know, year 17, this might be one of his only last chance at a championship run. He definitely wants to play. And that's where I think the divide happens. You know, on one side, you have Kyrie Irving saying, we shouldn't play. And then on the other side, you have LeBron James saying, I would like, a play, like to play and get a chance to win the championships. Obviously, there will be no fans in this event. Everyone will be playing in the same venue with no fans, maybe just family and friends and, you know, family of teammates. Um, it just won't feel the same if they did come back. You know, part of me as a sports fan would like to see the NBA come back, but at the same time, especially with what's going on and the world today, it would just be too much of a risk for the NBA to come back. Patrick Beverly also went on record saying it's not personal, uh, it's business. If King, if the King wants to come back, we hoping. If the King wants to play, we hoping. And that statement is basically, basically he's speaking for not just him, but basically speaking for the league. Basically saying if LeBron wants to play, the league's gonna happen. But if you're just and we just don't know how many players will actually play. And if they do play, do, do they really want to play? Will it have the same, you know, now that you lost momentum, you've been basically out longer than an offseason. You know, an offseason is normally, you know, b- basketball would normally end around this time. And then they would come back training cap in August. And then if you do try to come back July 31st, August, they've already been, a ba- they've been, they've already been out of basketball since March. So you got April, May, now June, then July. So you're looking at four months since they haven't played with no training camp, no rhythm. And then at the same time, they want to play in Orlando, which ironically is in Florida, the same state that leads the country in coronavirus cases. So what does that truly say? You got the whole, they have this whole so-called bubble thing where everyone's separated and what not, and I don't know how that's going to work, and now to come to find out, they have this so-called, players are all going to get this ring that basically is supposed to um, tell three days in advance 
that if you have the coronavirus, if you've been exposed to it and the symptoms. So NBA players have been giving this device, this ring, to early indicate if you're exposed and are going to get the coronavirus three days in advance. This is my thing. No offense, NBA. I know you guys are NBA players. You guys are super athletes, you know, millionaires. But why isn't this device given to our doctors, you know, our physicians, our surgeons, you know, the actual essential workers, you know, the folks that work in the medical field? Why don't they have this device? These are the same individuals every day that are at risk of exposure to the coronavirus because they're dealing with patients that have the coronavirus and risking their well-being for to you know to help recover other individuals but NBA players get get this ring but not our not our doctors and not our healthcare workers and not our essential workers don't get access to this device that's why I think there's a there's a difference in in morality where I come to cuz if if the NBA players can have this ring that can detect Exposure to coronavirus and symptoms three days, the doctors should have them. They are the ones that should have this before any athletes because athletes are in tip-top shape. They already have access to the best doctors, the best diets, the best nutritionists. And at the same time, now we don't let our medical workers who actually have to risk their well-being for people that that are actually sick with the coronavirus that have to deal with them try to get them to recover, don't have this ring. That's the problem with with America, with society, that we place our uh, priority at the wrong, on the wrong parties, the wrong individuals. That's what I really think. Honestly, if that's the case, if you're going to give that ring to the NBA, give that to all the doctors. That's how... Then I'll know that you guys truly care about this pandemic and not just for the sake of trying to make a million dollars and make money. Because I don't, the NBA owners didn't speak on the on social injustices. You had a few, you know, coaches like Steve Kerr came out, Greg Popovich came out, you know, Adam Silver made a statement. But where are all the other owners? How come they didn't? I'm going to get to owners. But where were the other owners speaking? How come they weren't speaking out on this, this, um, the social issues and justice that are going on today? How come they haven't spoke on it? So these are the same individuals that don't speak on it. And at the same time, these are the same individuals that we're going to try to put more money into their pockets when they don't re- truly care. Once again, the NBA was even, is even more predominantly African-American, larger. More, there's more black players in the NBA than there are percentage-wise in the NBA, in the NFL. So a league that is run, once again, by black players, these white owners, except for Michael Jordan, he's the only uh, majority uh, black owner in the NBA, didn't speak on any of these social injustices, and now we're going to go try to play the NBA and put more money in their pockets, and they're out there donating their money to Trump's campaign and, you know, all these other things. Sorry to get political on that, but they don't speak on any social injustice. But then we want to go put money in their pockets. Again, a few NBA coaches also. Shout out to my my, my team, Timberwolves coach Ryan, Ryan Saunders. He also spoke on, on these issues. But in the, the totality, the NBA owners didn't really say much. But at the same time, they we want to go put money in their pockets. 
Michael Jordan, obviously, he did. He put he put his money where his uh, his mouth was. Donated to social causes and so you know social reforms. But his team ain't in the playoffs. These other owners team uh, that are in the playoffs didn't say anything. So now we want to go put money in their pockets. That's why I have an issue with the NBA trying to put this glorified AAU tournament in our faces and with uh, and at the same time with what's going on. So I do agree with Kyrie Irving and the uh, Stephen Jackson. There's other social issues going on, more important than the NBA, and also at the same time, it just won't have the same feel. And that's why I said the NBA should just take the L, wrap it up, and just start fresh next year. And I think that would just be more beneficial to the league than trying to throw this AU tournament out there for us to see. Sure, people will watch, but it just won't be the same. So until you can get fans back into the stadiums, until you can get this you know, we get this behind this pandemic, then, then we can start an NBA season. And also, at risk of not starting, is also the NFL, because the NFL is coming back in, supposed to come back in August, camp's supposed to start in July, but according today, Dr. Oh, according to Dr. Fauci, he indicated, he said on record, that he doubts the NBA or the NFL will happen unless there is a bubble. Basically, that's impossible for the NFL to, to form a bubble because the NFL, everyone is essentially glued together at all times during camp, preseason, you know, all the way up to the Super Bowl. Baseball, MLB and NHL have already said, ah, forget it. You know, we, we ain't coming back. It's not happening just because. And, and, and even when you, if you watch baseball, everybody is spread out. So you got the pitchers like, you know, a distance away from the hitter and the catcher, first base, second base, third base, home plate, the outfields. Everyone is still spread out. And even they don't even feel safe enough to come back. But the NFL... And the NBA is supposed to make their return. I just don't know how the NFL is going to come back. If a Dr. Fauci, who is an expert who literally studies this for a living, is even saying without a bubble, the NFL can't start. But again, the NFL, that the villains that they are, like I said, they're okay with being the villains. Are they willing to put their player safety at risk just so Football can start on time. We've already had several players test positive for the coronavirus, obviously. Most recent, uh, Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Jackson of the Denver Broncos. Obviously, Zeke, the big name. Previously, Von Miller and Coach Sean Payton also contracted the virus. Obviously, they're all fine because these athletes are superhuman. Uh, things like this don't phase them. They're in the best shape. So when they catch these viruses, nothing happens to them. But... Also, the problem is, even if they're okay, what if they spread it to their family members and their friends and fans and whoever's in their inner circle that might not be suitable to handle this virus because of pre-existing conditions? How is the NFL going to conduct, figure this out to start the season on time? Because they're already saying they're not going to play without fans. The NFL is, you know, as everyone knows, there's 90 teams on a roster. They got to cut them down to 53. 
preseason. You know, they roommate together. They hit each other. They're constantly touching each other, a huddle. Everyone's within close proximity of each other. How is that going to work in the NFL? Are you going to test everyone every day? I think I heard an argument on Pro Football Talk. I think uh, they were debating. Uh, it was Mike Florio and uh, what's his name? Uh, Sims. Phil Sims. Sims. Chris Sims. Uh, they were debating that why don't the players all just take one for the team, all contract the virus, and get over it so they can all get on over with it so they can get the virus, have it go away, and so they're already built the antibodies so they can play their football. Here's my thing. First of all, that's stupid. I mean, yes, the athletes are going to recover from it because they are superhuman. Once again, they're in tip-top shape. But once again, what if they're spreading that to their family members and their friends? You know, obviously players can be asymptomatic, go away within five days, but they're over there spreading it to everyone else around them. How is that going to work? That's the thing to keep in mind. Obviously, we'll find out more information as time goes on. But once again, the NFL, the villains that they are, are they going to say, you know what? We'll be the saviors. We're okay. We'll put our player safety at risk. Even though, And I love me some football. I love the NFL. It's my favorite sport. I look forward to it every year just because of just how much I love the Vikings, how much I love football. Also, me playing fantasy football in multiple leagues. I definitely want football to happen. But at the same time, is it truly realistic for the NFL? Because, sure, the players are in tip-top shape. They can handle it. But what about the coaches, the older coaches that are on you know, some of these teams? What about those coordinators? What about the referees that aren't as, you know, the same kind of shape that these NFL players are in that they are? What if they contract it? You know, referees tend to be in their mid-50s. Some of them are in their 60s. What if they spread the virus to those to, uh, the referees? How is that going to work? So what are you going to do? Are going to test players every week? And then let's just say a player, you know, slips through. Uh, the testing, test negative at the moment is positive. And then when they're out there huddling, and then, you know, there's a fumble. Everyone, you know, there's a scrum. You know, 22, 10, you know, 15, 20-player scrum. And they start spreading it. How does that happen? So if someone tests positive, they're going to be out for a week? Are they just out for practice and then they're good to play on Sunday? How's that going to work? What about the helmets? Are they going to have masks on their helmets? Obviously, I did see a design that the possible masks on their helmet, COVID masks. But how's that going to work? That is the issue the NFL is going to have to figure out. Obviously, they are in cooperation with Dr. Fauci and the you know the CDC and having this work out. That is going to be interesting because football season is right around the corner. Camp should be starting in a week, so we've already don't have the NBA. We've already don't have uh, MLB, NHL, all these other leagues. Obviously, Europe is playing soccer in uh, empty stadiums, so they've at least brought back their leagues. I'm curious to see how the leagues in Amer in the United States are going going to go with this coronavirus pandemic moving forward. That's my take on that. I will di I will dive on that more as time goes on. But I'm going to end with this. Back to my topic on the the social issues and 
uh, sports, we're starting to see a trend here in uh, college football. We're starting to see players speak out and, you know, about their, you know, their oppression and their social, you know, injustice toward African, uh, African Americans in this country. And you have these college football coaches basically basically spitting on the player and basically saying, I don't respect you. I only use you basically for just win me a couple games and make me a lot of money. Uh, most important, start off main big name. Uh, Dabble Sweeney of the Clemson uh, Tigers uh, head coach of the Clemson Tigers uh, college football team. He went on record and or I think he posted something about, oh, football matters. Football matters. We have he is a head football coach who makes millions of dollars at a college predominantly of black players who don't get paid who are speaking out on these issues, and he has the nerve and the audacity to post football matters. That is basically him saying he don't give a damn as long as you can score touchdowns and win me games and make me a lot of money. This is the same coach who has won two national championships at Clemson, who's also coached Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, two of the biggest players to come come out of Clemson's program. They were two that had been fighting to get a I think a statue removed of one of the players in uh, I think one of the a slave owner a plantation. That school is basically built on a plantation if I'm not mistaken. And they have been uh advocating for this statue of this slave owner of this plantation owner to come down because he represents slavery and oppression. And we got their head football coach out there saying he basically don't, doesn't care that, doesn't care about their rights. He doesn't care about their fight for justice. Oh, as long as they can win me a lot of football games and they score touchdowns, that's all I care about. This is a man who makes a million dollars coaching black kids. He goes into these high school kids' homes, in their homes, speaks to their parents, and basically convinces their kids, their sons, to go play football for him because he'll take care of them, make them the best men that they can be, um, not only professionally, you know, in life. And he comes out and says, oh, football matters. That's something that bothers me. I I don't know if it doesn't bother you, but that bothers me. And then... You have another instance where you have the coach Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State who took a picture of him with a OAN shirt, which I think stands for One American Network, and one of their players came out, I think it was Keith Hubbard, that said that was disrespectful. Uh, He won't do anything Oklahoma State related until uh, the coach Mike Gundy apologizes. For those who don't know, that network, OAN, One America Network, is a right-wing propaganda channel, news network, that basically throws out conspiracy theories and basically diminishes Black Lives Matters movement and basically shuns it and throws, you know, hurls out all these conspiracies out there. And you have a coach that also coaches predominantly African-American players, and you have a coach that's basically what supports a news channel that that diminishes and disrespects 
Black Lives Matter movement. Really, this is the same. These are these, these are the coaches that comes in to their parents' homes and convinces their kids that they should go to their school and play for their program. And this is what these coaches are starting to shed light on. This is what they decide to portray. And speaking of the same coach that back in the early, I think late 80s, 89, a player by the name of Alfred Williams, who a uh, gentleman who played for Colorado back in the back in 89. Uh, accused Mike Gundy of throwing racial slurs at them while he was quarterback of Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State, the same school that he coaches currently. This is a guy who was throwing racial... And this was on record back in that time, and for some reason it just got bypassed. He ended up getting this job at Oklahoma State. So this is a coach who not only supports right-wing racist propaganda, he's also a known racist and he goes into these black children's homes and convinces their parents that he is going to make them better men when really he doesn't respect them as individuals as men doesn't respect them because of the color of their skin that's the problem I have with sports just because Sure, it is a competition. We love to watch it. But is it only just to them is just winning at any cost? Even though they don't like the player, they don't like who they are as people, as long as they can score touchdowns and get win them games and get them a lot of money, that's all they care about. That's another thing that needs to be tackled in college football. Why I think they should be more black coaches, even in college football, because these White coaches are showing you they don't really care about your kid as long as he can make them money and win them games. That's all they care about. And it's funny about thing about racist. It's funny that, that their favorite sport is football, and they basically cheer for players they don't even like. Basically, majority of their players that they, teams that they cheer for, their players on their favorite teams are black, and they don't even like them. But somehow they go up every day spending money and cheer for them. That is just, that, some, for some reason that doesn't make sense to me. What? I don't know. I'm already getting up. There needs to be a lot. <laughs> that is the funniest thing that I had to ponder when it, when it came to me. That these racist people love to cheer for people they don't like. Anyways, that is, that's all I got for y'all today. Before they get me out of here, appreciate y'all for tuning into this episode. Once again, you can stream me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also straight from the Anchor app. You can also listen to me on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Being Technical Podcast. Listen to all the latest previous uh, latest episodes as well as go back to the previous episodes if you want to catch up. Also, check out my boy KV, streaming on all platforms. Check your boys out. We out. I die today, no
know what I tried to say And if my grandma isn't straight, that shit's a tragedy I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties This hell on earth, it ain't no place to raise a family I pray the Lord to see, I pray my soul to keep Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep I know I'm never gonna get what isn't supposed to be But I need changes in my life, devil too close to me Devil too close to me, devil too close to me I see my enemies turn friendly and get close to me I see they movement from a distance, they approach me I don't trust nobody, the burner make them toast to me Used to get blessings from my grandma before I leave out for my day She the reason that I'm here, no any day could be my day Countless nights had situations that ain't almost go my way I'm still standing by my mission, I'ma do this shit my way Remember laying on my deathbed, I couldn't speak, my body bleeding, I was restless They stuffed them tubes down through my throat cause I was breathless My mama never left my side, she was my best friend I seen the tears run out her eyes and it was endless Ain't had no fear up in my heart, my soul was stressless He done blessed me with a chance when I was helpless I promise I would never lose and I forget this Remember me said if I die today, know what I tried to say And if my grandma isn't straight, that shit's a tragedy I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties This hell on earth, it ain't no place to raise a family I pray the Lord to see, I pray my soul to keep Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep I know I'm never gonna get what is it supposed to be But I need changes in my life, devil too close to me Said I need changes in my life, no I need changes So many people around me but they feel like strangers Don't get too close to me, you know I get anxious I seen the devil, I hope God sent me some angels We in a crisis, walk outside and feel like we at war My block is ISIS, turn the TV on them bodies dropping We can't fight this, I survived the day but we don't treat it like it's priceless When we at them funerals, the only time we righteous Yeah I need blessings on me I know many niggas want their weapons on me I know I've been paranoid, I watch them closely But I just heard my nigga got shot by his homie Damn, that shit so cold to me Can't nobody tell me nothing, my hood still got hope in me I just want my millions, don't want nobody to notice me No killer, but no nigga getting close to me Said if I die today, know what I try to say Straight, that shit's a tragedy I see them hunting niggas down there causing casualties This hell on earth, it ain't no place to raise a family I pray the Lord to see, I pray my soul to keep Say my three prayers every night before I go to sleep I know I'm never gonna get what isn't supposed to be But I need changes in my life, devil too close to me